Hi and welcome to Youth Talk, a podcast run by Baptist Youth, where in each episode we think about a different topic from the perspective of a Christian young person. In today's episode, we're going to think about the topic of contentment. What does it mean to be content? Why does being a Christian help me in my pursuit of contentment? wonder would you describe yourself as a content person and most people if they're totally honest would probably say that they're not a content person Uh, contentment seems to be this kind of elusive thing that we hope to one day receive in the future when all of our circumstances kind of align perfectly but the bible actually talks a lot about contentment and so i thought we'd talk about it in today's episode of youth talk and really want us to see four things four truths about contentment which i think you see clearly expressed throughout the scriptures and the first one is this Contentment is something that God wants us to have. Contentment is something that God wants us to have. This might surprise you. As you think about all the things that God wants from you as a Christian, you probably think about many things. God wants me to be holy. God wants me to obey him. And those are absolutely true. God does want those things from you. But God also wants you to be content. God wants you to be content. This maybe goes against the grain of some perceptions that we might be inclined to have about God. We kind of think of him as a killjoy. We kind of think of him as someone who wants us to suffer. Uh, But actually, the Bible says, I think, in in kind of a roundabout way, God wants us as well to be content. I wonder if I was to ask you, what is the most frequent command in the Bible? Don't know what you would say. It might surprise you that in one sense, I I read this in a, a Gospel Coalition article recently, in one sense, the most frequent command in the Bible is this. Be happy. Be happy. Now, that's slightly bending the rules, isn't it? It's kind of categorizing a lot of different commands, such as rejoice and praise the Lord and do not be afraid. It's kind of clumping them all together. Uh, But you could argue, this article argued, um, that the most frequent command in the scriptures is actually for God's people to be happy. And if you think about that, it kind of tells us something about God, doesn't it? It tells us something about how God feels about contentment. Uh, he is some, it's something that he wants us to have. In fact, it's not just something that he wants us to have. It's something that he actually almost commands us to have. And so in that line, you might think, well, if, if, if God wants me to be content and I want me to be content, why then is contentment so difficult to find? Uh, why is it so difficult for me to find the contentment that I crave? And probably the, the answer to that question is because our minds have become so corrupted and our hearts have become so polluted with sin, haven't they? That whilst we're wired for contentment, Uh, Sin rewires us to find God's good desires in all the wrong places in our lives. And that's what happens time and time again. That's what sin does. Sin attempts to rewire us and rewire the good wiring that God created us with uh, and rewires it in the wrong ways. And this happens in so many different aspects of our life. You know, God created us for worship. We were, in a sense, wired for worship. But what does sin do? Well, sin tries to rewire us whereby we end up worshiping the wrong things and the wrong people. God created us as sexual beings. That's how we were wired. In a sense, we were wired for sex. But what does sin do? Sin rewires us and that makes us try and, you know, satisfy those sexual desires in all the wrong places and with all the wrong sorts of desires. God created us as emotional beings. That's how we were wired. We were wired as emotional people. But what does sin do? Sin rewires us and our emotions go off on all different sorts of directions which are wildly harmful and unhelpful. And you know, there's a sense in which the same is actually true for contentment. God wired us to be content, to live with joy and gladness. Yet sin has done what sin always does and it's messed up the wiring. We now search for contentment but we search for it in all the wrong places. 
And so when God is commanding us to be content, he's actually commanding us to do something that we were created to do. That's not the hard bit. The hard bit is try to try to channel our contentment in the right place and where it ought to be channeled, and that is in him, in God himself. That's the source of our contentment. That's where it's truly, ultimately found. And that's, in a sense, why God commands us to be content. That's how he can command us to be content because that's actually the very essence of what it means to be transformed by the gospel. That my old desires of failing to find contentment in all the wrong things and all the wrong people and all the wrong places are slowly starting to be transformed and slowly starting to give way to the place whereby I'm now finding my contentment in my relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so that's the first truth that we need to remember about contentment. Contentment is actually something that God wants you to have. What's the second truth about contentment, though? Uh, Contentment is crippled by comparison. Contentment is crippled by comparison. Uh, There was a study carried out in the university campus a number of years ago. remember reading about it. And uh, they asked a a number of students, what would you rather have? Would you rather you finish your degree uh, with a 2-1 and all of your friends got 2-2s? That's option A. Or option B is this. You and all of your friends all get firsts. What would you rather have? I can't remember the exact figure, but it was something like 70% of all the students who were asked that question choose option A, that they would rather get a 2-1 on their degree and all their friends get a 2-2, as opposed to the second option where they all got firsts. Isn't that mad? That kind of shows you something ugly about the human heart, isn't it? That we are absolutely obsessed by comparing ourselves with other people. And we know fine well, don't we, that, that this comparison really does cripple us. It really does cripple us. And it's not just our experience where comparison cripples us. Even as you read the Bible, you see how comparison cripples people and leads them to do all sorts of crazy and terrible things. The first murder, for example, in the Bible took place really because of comparison. Cain felt this jealousy against his brother Abel. He started comparing himself to Abel and how God viewed each of their sacrifices. And this jealousy ultimately led to Cain murdering his brother Abel. As you continue reading through the Bible, you see more and more examples of jealousy. You've got it between Jacob and Esau. You've got it between Leah and Rachel. You've got it between Joseph and his brothers. I mean, we're not even out of the book of Genesis yet. Those are all examples just from the very first book of the Bible. And then as you continue through the Bible, you see it more and more. Jonathan and Saul and Sam and, or sorry, Saul and David rather. And you see it, so, so many examples of, of how jealousy and how comparison cripples relationships and an extension cripples people, cripples people. And in many ways, our whole world is just affected by this comparison bug, aren't we? It's almost the primary thing which actually determines the decisions that we make. We, we say things based upon how it's going to impress other people. We act in certain ways to try and gain other people's approval. We're very selective about what we post on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook because we want to post the right photos or the right things that will make other people jealous. Um, the thing that I think demonstrates our comparison bug well is actually fashion. I think fashion's a bit of a fascinating thing, don't you? Because um, if you were to take a snapshot of the clothes that you're wearing right now, and you were to look at those clothes five years ago, you'd probably say, that looks horrendous. I would never wear that. I'd never wear that. But what started to happen? Well, more and more people started to wear the sorts of clothes that you're wearing right now. And all of a sudden, your opinion starts to change, doesn't it? Just because you see other people wearing it and it becomes a bit more mainstream, you actually think, maybe that does look kind of cool. And then you start to wear it as well. And so actually, other people's opinions, comparing yourself to other people, actually changes your opinions and your feelings towards the clothes that you wear. That's how deep our comparison bug runs. But comparison can be a dangerous thing, can't it? Because contentment can be crippled by comparison. 
What's the third third truth we can see when we think about contentment? Well, contentment is possible in spite of your circumstances. Contentment is possible in spite of your circumstances. You see, most of us, when we think about contentment, we always kind of associate it with having all of our circumstances aligned in a particular way, don't we? So most of us would say, I'm not really perfectly content right now, but I will be content or I would be content if such and such happened. If I was more popular, if I had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if I received an income that I was at this level, if these things happened, then I would be content. We always associate contentment with having the right kind of set of circumstances perfectly aligned. Yet the reality is that that is an absolute myth, isn't it? It's an absolute myth. It's a myth for a number of reasons. The first reason it's a myth is because on a purely practical level, it's impossible, isn't it? It's impossible for all these different circumstances to perfectly align in your life. And if they do, they'll only align for a very short period of time before something will go wrong. You know, you might say to yourself, I would be so content if I had X amount of money. You know, if I had an income that was, I don't know, £100,000. And then one day you get £100,000, you think, brilliant, but then something else goes wrong. You get sick, or a friend gets sick, or a family member gets sick. And all of a sudden, the contentment that you thought you would have by having money is offset because something else in your life goes wrong that previously was fine. Or you might think, well, I would be super happy. I would be totally content if I one day got a family. And then one day you get a family and you think, great, now I should be content. But then at that point, maybe something at work goes wrong and your career kind of goes up the left and there's always something which is going to threaten your contentment. All the circumstances in your life are never going to perfectly align and even if they do, they'll only align for a very short period of time before something goes wrong. That's the first reason why contentment can't be tied to our circumstances or else we're never going to find the contentment that we're looking for. But the good news is that, that contentment can be found apart from your circumstances. Isn't that good news? Contentment can be found apart from your circumstances. If you read Philippians chapter 4, you, you discover that Paul's circumstances aren't great. In fact, by our modern day standards, Paul's circumstances are actually terrible in, in Philippians 4. He's banged up in prison in Rome. Uh, he's been arrested for effectively his loyalty to Jesus Christ. And if you think about what a prison cell was like in that day, in that environment, it was pretty terrible, wasn't it? Um, you know, I remember historians thought they found one of Paul's prison cells, dark, damp, dirty quarters. In fact, they would they would literally stack prisoners on top of one another with just like a grate and separated them. So when you went to the bathroom, you actually went on the guy underneath you. If Acts 12 is anything to go by, he's probably chained to other Roman officers who are with him 24 hours a day. Probably rats running about his feet. These are the sort of circumstances that the Apostle Paul finds himself in. Yet listen to what he says in Philippians 4, 11 to 12. He says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have found the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and unneed. Paul says this, My circumstances go like this. Up and down, up and down, good and bad, good and bad. Someday things go well, someday things don't go well. Sometimes there are extended seasons of life where things seem to be going well. Other times there are extended seasons of life where things don't seem to go so well. But Paul says this, in, in spite of this, I've learned the secret of contentment. I've learned how to be content in every and any circumstance. Isn't that amazing? Because we know that from Paul's life and from what we read of in the New Testament, life was pretty difficult for Paul. Paul really was brought low at different points. You read 2 Corinthians 11 and you see kind of some of the things that, that the Apostle Paul had been through in his life. Even 2 Corinthians 1, you see that there was a particular moment in his life where it, he said, I despaired for life itself. He thought it was over. 
But Paul says, I found the secret to contentment. And that's the third thing that we should remember as we think about the issue of contentment. It's something which actually is possible in spite of our circumstances. And then fourthly and finally, the last thing I want us to see about contentment is that contentment is found in Jesus Christ. How is it that, that Paul is able to find contentment, the secret of contentment, in spite of his circumstances? It's because his contentment is found in someone who is supreme over his circumstances, the Lord Jesus. We just read from verse 11 and 12 where Paul says, I find the secret of contentment. And then in the very next verse, verse 13, he says this, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Really well-known verse, really misquoted verse. Uh, Paul's not saying that he can literally do anything, you know, through Christ who strengthens me. I can run the 100 meters in nine seconds because of Christ who strengthens me. No, again, the context here is contentment, the secret of contentment. Paul says, I can find contentment in any and every circumstance, whether I have much, whether I have little, whether I've been brought high or brought low. Why? Because of Christ who strengthens me. So Paul says, ultimately, my source of contentment is not in stuff, it's not in circumstances, it's in the Lord Jesus. And you might ask, well, how is Paul able to say this? Is this because he's some sort of elite Christian? Well, no, not at all. Paul's able to say this not because he's some sort of elite Christian, but he's a completely normal Christian with the same up and down circumstances that you and I have. But he's a Christian who, like you and I, can trust in these simple, basic, fundamental gospel truths. His heart was just thrilled with these spiritual realities, which weren't just true for Paul. They're equally true for you if you're watching this or listening to this and you're a Christian today in 2022. Paul knew, just as you can know as a Christian, that whatever happened in his life, no matter what circumstances he faced, however low he might feel, the reality is there's still a God in heaven who rules and reigns over everyone and everything, and this God is good, and this God loves him as his child. This is the same God who, who Paul and you and I deserve nothing from, yet he still lavishes us with his grace, lavishes us with his mercy, and welcomes us to come into his family of God and to be a part of his kingdom. And Paul just cherished those gospel truths and he knew that he had received forgiveness from this God because of the sending of his son and that one day he would spend an eternity with him forever without even the presence of sin or without even the hint of any abstract circumstances coming his way. And as Paul cherished these things, he was able to say, I find my contentment in Christ because that is the thing that ultimately matters. The one thing, the most important thing that matters in my life, the one circumstance that could go wrong which is the most important thing that could go wrong which is being judged by a God in heaven Paul says that issue has been definitively dealt with at the cross my biggest problem has been dealt with and so matter no matter whatever problems I might face in my world today my biggest problem has been dealt with and it's been dealt with by Jesus Christ the biggest problem is my sin and the penalty for my sin Paul says dealt with done sorted it's not going to come back to haunt me because it's been definitively dealt with at the cross and all the glorious promises of Romans chapter 8 are true of me. I'm adopted into God's family. I'm under no condemnation before this God and one day I will be exalted to be with Christ forever and ever and ever. And you know that's equally true for you if you're listening to this and you're a Christian. Uh, your biggest problem, the circumstance which is perhaps the most dangerous to you, which is dying without your sins forgiven, that has been dealt with at the cross. And you now stand under no judgment before this God. Any other problem that you might come across peels into insignificance compared to the biggest problem that humanity faces, which for you as a Christian has been dealt with definitively and eternally by the Lord Jesus. And what's more, Paul just revels in all the riches that are his in Jesus. In fact, all the things that we, we search for in this world as a means of finding contentment and satisfaction, Paul would say elsewhere in the New Testament, we've, we've got those in abundance. 
not earthly speaking, but heavenly speaking, spiritually speaking, we've got these things in abundance through Jesus. You know, what are some of the things that you search for as a means of contentment? Is it wealth? Well, Paul would say we have an eternity of riches in Christ. Is it safety? Well, Paul would say, where else could you be that's safer than in the arms of the very God who creates the entire universe and sustains it by his very breath? Is it popularity or approval? Who else's approval would you want apart from the God who is in charge of all things, the King of Kings? The God who actually knows the worst about you yet still loves you the most. Paul says in the gospel, we have all we could ever want, all we could ever need. And in the gospel, you can find contentment in spite of your circumstances. So that's what the Bible says about contentment. Four truths which hopefully are helpful for you as you think about your journey of seeking contentment. It's not found in having the right sort of circumstances. It's not this elusive thing which is out there which you just need to get if you can kind of get things aligned in a perfect way. No, contentment is available through the gospel, through the Lord Jesus, and through clinging to some basic gospel truths that the Apostle Paul was able to cling to all those years ago. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Uh, make sure to tune into our next episode next week where we think about another issue from the perspective of a Christian young person. And I hope you have a great week. Thank you.